0: Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here at 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you as always. Good Monday everybody. How was the weekend? Hey, hey, welcome in. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew in the house as well on Twitter. It's at J Cameron Show. Let's catch up on. And so we shall. So, I got to pick Tom's brain to start the show here. I, uh... For those of you that missed some of the shows last week, uh, I'll give time. Here you go. Come on in, everybody. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go. Now the music's down. We're in. Everybody's in. We're all good to go. Hello to everybody on the chat. Hello to everybody in their, on the radio driving about town, handling spring break, start of it, right? All that good stuff. Hopefully you ushered your kids out the house, told them to get on with the getting. Go. Leave us be. Come on, get. <laughs> that was a good commercial. They should, they should bring it back every time. Cause it makes you think of mac and cheese. It was delicious. <laughs> the Velveeta. Uh, anyhow, that said, uh, yeah, hopefully you got a little bit of a break, whatever it might be. It'd be nice. Um, so I was not surprised to hear of what I missed. Um, and, uh, so I, you guys, I left town on Friday to go down and visit family and to, uh, check out the, uh, the Lightning, I saw the Pirates play spring training, saw my grandmother, saw my mom and my stepdad, and, and and my kids, more importantly, got to do that as well. So that was great. It was all good. But I missed some things. I missed a very big weekend, and I hate that, but I'm going to be open and honest about it. Now, I've ser- since gone back, and you know, I've picked your brain. I've talked to a lot of people, and certainly I read all the reports on Warchant.com, and I've had a chance to see every practice so up until that one. I had a suspicion uh, that some of the guys that were highlighted in the you know the write-ups afterwards would be exactly that they'd be the ones and tom you right off the bat i i went to your report because i'm like you i care most about the offensive and defensive lines i know we have skill position players that are going to be really good i already feel like i know that receiver room i know that running back room i got a handle on the the principal players in the defensive backfield that's going to be a protracted competition one practice In pads isn't going to change anything. So, But I wanted, more than anything else, I wanted to feel what that was in the trenches, in between the tackles, or or, or even really across the entirety of the defensive line and offensive line. Because I've said since the day we laid eyes on him, when we actually saw him in person, that I thought that the guy that would make the biggest impact, just because he surprised me with with his presence. I think you used the word presence in your write-up was Daryl Jackson. And you, we we've talked about it on the air. I, I said, man, nobody looks like him. Not Fabian Lovett, not anybody. Nobody looks like that guy. That looks like an NFL uh, interior lineman. Just a, a badass. Just a massive and fluid and strong and good feet and stays low and all that stuff when you watch him. And then I kind of had a suspicion before that practice that we were going to be right on that, not just because of the visual. The visual, you know, jumps out at you. But because there were comments that coaches made, you know, in, including the head coach, and you had Mike Norvell referencing Fabian Lovett before they ever shooted up the pads talking about what he was. He's a big man and all those things that he said. So to find out he was the guy that, what it sounds like, caused the most amount of problems for the offensive line once they donned the pads and was the, one of the first guys that really stood out, not that there weren't others. But that he really stood out in one-on-one situations, group situations, is not a surprise. But why don't you, for people who didn't get a chance to read it on Warchant.com, kind of talk about what was it beyond just the the, the sheer physical presence of Daryl Jackson. Because now, more and more, I guess what I'm getting at, more and more when I talk about comparing and contrasting what Florida State is and where they want to go, we get deep into the weeds. We start talking about, do you have a depth- of elite-level first- or second-round draft pick offense and defensive line-type players the way that a Georgia does who wins a national championship, the way that an Alabama does when they win the national championship, the way we did in 2013 when we won the national championship. Invariably, the teams that do have a depth of size and talent that are difference-makers up front. And Daryl Jackson looks like that guy. Yeah, there's
1: nothing fancy about it either. It's just brute strength. That fits the profile of his body. There's sometimes that you have guys that look the part and they they look like the guy that you want to lead the way off the bus, off the sideline, and then when they play, it it doesn't translate. We've had a couple of guys I remember in, in camps past where the first day of photos, they roll out and you're like, That's our guy. And then the player just never translated. But Daryl Jackson plays as large as he looks, and that's saying something. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of one-on-one reps where it's it's almost cold-blooded. He just moves the offensive lineman backwards towards the quarterback, and it's a graduate assistant in these drills, step by step, and there's nothing that they can do about it. You feel the helplessness that the offensive line must feel, lineman must feel in that moment, and it's not like we are short on good offensive linemen now. That's the other thing. So when you see Daryl Jackson taking over either in a period or across a couple of drills, He's doing so against the best competition this offensive line has produced for Florida State's defensive line in forever, for years. So anything I see in short when we do trench observations for WarChant.com or, or WarChant TV, to me, it, it's I can bank what I'm seeing is real and is going to translate in a way that I couldn't before. Mm-hmm. When they were doing heads up one on one drills last year or the year before, I mean, even this past fall they would hold Dylan Gibbons out. They would hold Fabian Lovett out, even when he wasn't injured. He might go around one time, but he wouldn't go a second or a third time because they know what they've got. They know this is a stud, and they know that if we lost him on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, what a waste. Let's make sure we get him out there on Saturday when when these things really count. When you're watching these drills now, these combination drills, the run game drills, the one-on-one drills, the full 11-on-11, there is no holding back, and all of the reps mean something. It's just it was ratcheted up and and the best thing I can say about it is we've been talking about it for weeks. You can tell that the players wanted it more than we hyped it up. The coaching staff wanted to see it more than we hyped it up before the first period and the first rep of full contact head on head for offensive and defensive line. Mike Norvell is bobbing his shoulders and his head back and forth, cupping his hands over his mouth and screaming at the top of his lungs. Yeah. Everybody was jazzed for this and it was From that point on to the end of practice, about 65 to 90 minutes, give or take, and it was just awesome throughout. Daryl Jackson was the most consistent guy, but he wasn't the only one who stood out. And anytime you see an 11-on-11 play now with the ones or the twos or the guys that they're cross-training in there, there are multiple dudes that you point out and say, that was a good play, that was a good play instead of just one guy making a play and the rest of them looking like they're not up to standard it's it's a, a joy to watch
0: Well, you're going to end up doing this you're going to be talk about Jeremiah Byers and Julian Armella and you know you're going to talk about uh, Lucas Simmons as the new guys you're going to talk about um, you know when we get the defensive line you're going to talk about Josh Farmer I know you did bring him up as well mm-hmm. um we're going to talk about Jared Verse every week we're going to talk about uh, oh back to the offensive line bless Harris we're going to talk, there are going to be so many guys because that's the most loaded group on the team. Um, you know, we, we talk about what Fabian Lovett is and all of that. I mean, you've got a lot of guys. It is, um, it's exciting to I, see all this. I could tell you one dude that didn't make the
1: the write-up was Casey Roddick, but he's impressive too. He's like, huge. there's just, there's, there's, honestly, unless you want to go on and make it a, a long-form piece, like in The Athletic or something, there's just, you have to choose. You have to, you have to pare down what you see to the most important nuggets. Before, you felt like you were stretching every letter to see how wide it could go in the uh, digital column space because you just had to, you had to search so hard. Now it's like, well, I've got three pages of notes. I said it to Corey walking out. I'm like, I got too many notes here. And he said, me too. It's just different. It, this is what it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, we'll get used to it. We'll <laughs> we get, will. We'll yeah. get used to it. And you start adjusting within that grouping to, you start realizing that, uh, okay, it's great. But now now you're talking about, Comparing and contrasting the talent level of that and a championship team. And so that's what people are going to want to know. By the way, any update on Daryl Jackson's eligibility? Not at this time, no. They're sure practicing him like they know it's a a foregone conclusion.
1: Yeah, again, this is a different situation than Demetri Emanuel. So Emanuel's out there, but he's not allowed to participate because that's a question of eligibility, period. Like, can you still play college football? And then with Daryl, it's a hardship waiver. They know that he's going to play for Florida State. It's just can he do so this year? But I, I would, I think they expect that they're going to get a yes on that. It's just that if you ever try to put a timeline on when the NCAA is going to make a ruling, then you would lose a lot of money if you if you would put money down on it.
0: This will be a big one though. I can understand the hyper focused and frustration and worry because the NCAA is wild wildly unpredictable. They've already screwed us. Uh, we we just saw it with with basketball, um, and and that was an absurd ruling. And then you have. This I think Jordan situation.
1: Travis hardship waiver took forever too from Louisville.
0: Yeah, uh, this this is important. Daryl Jackson could end up being your best defensive player. It would be pretty cool if you knew that he could definitely play. Uh, people are just gonna want to know. I'm gonna I'm gonna want to know that every day too. Clearly, they think he's gonna play, but I just I I don't trust the
1: NCAA. It's a better way of saying. It. Well, and and you mix that in with Braden Fisk and and love it, and it's just, and what Farmer looks like. You know, mentioned it at the tour of duty. Up top, he looks yeah. like he's stronger. Huge. He yeah. played that way. He played that way on Friday. I, I stress to everybody, as pumped up as we get to be able to watch this and how much more entertaining it is, they're going to cross-train guys in the first team, the second team. We're not allowed to say what you know line of the depth chart everybody is, but even if you try and guess, it's not worth it just yet, especially on that offensive not line. Not at all. They're working out different combinations. Uh, Coach Norvell said on Friday after practice that Jeremiah Byers is going to cross-train at at guard and tackle, for example. Don't know where he's going to land, but that means he takes part in more drills against more dudes, so we get to see a much better assessment as media members of what exactly he does, and that was a very impressive player on Friday as well. He had some rough moments. I think he's realizing, oh, these guys coming at me aren't UTEP quality. They're a little higher quality, but it's not for a lack of raw skill and, and in some ways professionalized refined skill too. It's just this is a fact-finding process that we've been waiting for so long to see, and we never got to see it even at the peak of Jimbo's time because practice was closed in those days. I can only imagine what those days look like yeah. day to day. Yeah.
0: Elsewhere, and I'll come back to football, a lot of it today. It's our only show of the week. We are off for spring break like everybody else. There are no practices for Florida State this week. The FSU men's basketball team was summarily dismissed. They're no longer playing basketball, so we don't cover them either. Uh, the baseball team took the, the weekend series against Pitt. It was good to see. I think the thing that stands out to me, looking at those numbers, I, I was able to pull up some of the action there, is that Florida State, obviously, got good starting pitching through the first two games. That's huge. Uh, we had question marks about pitching uh, heading into the, the weekend series. Uh, really, if you we we'll always try to include the midweek game along with the weekend game so that you take the the whole of what you got for that week. So in four games, Florida State got good pitching. Um, they really did. So that that's that's important. Uh, Wyatt Crowell getting his first start was flawless, looked really good. Um, you know, it's just what it does by adding him into the rotation is that you do have, uh, you know, questionable numbers, uh, at least in, in terms of those you trust out of the bullpen. But your starting pitcher was better. And if you get good starting pitching in each of those games in a weekend series, you kind of trust the offense to do enough. Uh, I I think more than enough, most days uh, to, to get you a series win. And after all, that's what it's about. I hate that, you know, you had a range shortened loss yesterday, eight to six, but for Florida state, if you win your series, you're going to be right where you need to be. And I think they'll only get better as the year goes on. So good news. They're on pace.
1: They're on pace. I think they're cultivating more answers in the pitching staff that they can trust, you know, in a high leverage situation uh, in the, first week or two of the season, it felt like they've got a lot of long guys that mm-hmm. if there's a blowout, they can throw it one way or the other. Like if you're getting blown out or you're up by eight runs, eh, he's suited for that role and not much more. They're starting to get more setup men, more answers in the pen. Uh, that's what this week as a whole taught me. Uh, but, you know, again, this is just the beginning of ACC play. When you get towards the end of this month, it starts on the 21st of March when they host Florida on a Tuesday night. That's when the schedule takes a big-time turn into top 25 land. FSU, saw, was number 21 still in the D1 Baseball top 25 this morning. But we're going to be seeing a lot of numbers next to the opponents that we play. Also, by the by, Gulf Coast is now 20th in the country in D1 Baseball. And they're next to each other, Florida State and Gulf Coast, in uh, the Boyd's World RPI, 17 and 16. I think. Yeah,
0: Dong City can play a little bit, so we're gonna have to. We'll watch yep. that all that year was long. Not a fluke. No, no, they can, they can. They can play a little bit. How was the Buster? I mean, I just love that they honored him. I know he said it was great, quite the honor. I saw it. I pulled it up. Um, but you know, it's just it was neat to see that. I saw where Jameis. I watched Jameis do an interview as well. Yep. Uh, Which was nice. uh, Jameis was also there for the induction. Yeah. Uh, Saw the first pitch. Uh, You're going to bounce the first pitch,
1: Jameis. That was uh, a little rough. Uh, Jameis might have gotten iced because first pitch was pushed back
0: by an hour and a half. I'm Uh, just going to go with that. I'm going to go with keep playing football right now. I don't think the slider's ready. (laughs) I don't think it's ready. I don't think it's ready. Uh, I was there
1: for a lot of Friday's proceedings. You know, it was supposed to be, I think, a 5.45 Jameis first pitch, and it was a little after seven by the time he actually delivered it due to the bad weather that. You mentioned when we had signed off that it was starting to get a little nasty, and it was. Um, But Saturday's uh, particulars, we covered very well as a staff. I was not there, but just watching the Buster uh, Posey videos, it looked like he he felt it. You know, sometimes these things are put on, and you feel like the person shows up out of courtesy, not out of connection. And this felt like it connected. It landed a little bit more, which was cool to see.
0: Buster is um, as modest as they come for as big a superstar as he was here and and with the San Francisco Giants. So that's neat to see. You also don't always see that. Um, I'll answer some of these questions. Folks are, you know, already panicking to some degree and all of that stuff. But uh, there'll be – I I think we're in good shape here for the roster for Florida State football. Even for guys that haven't been out there yet, they will be. Everything's going to be all right, guys. Everybody settle down. Um, There's no reason to assume anything else. There's nothing laying in the weeds that we're not – telling you about or hiding from you or anything like that. Uh, Some guys dealt with some injuries. Some guys dealt with a disciplinary issue. Could be minor, um, we think. Uh, You know, we don't know. I mean, and when I say disciplinary issue, I'm talking about a guy misses, uh, you know, two or three practices or something like that. Coach is never going to tell you that. Never going to tell you that. But if a guy is out for a couple of days and he doesn't have class, you might assume that's what it was. Just somebody got slapped on the wrist for showing up late to a meeting. I don't know. It could be something as simple as that, don't know these things. What I'm telling you is there are a variety of guys that get asked about on the regular, and I keep repeating myself on this because it's it's what people do now in this day and age of immediacy. If a guy is not mentioned in notes, Tom, specifically, they assume he's either transferring, hurt, or in big trouble. And none of those things could be true. It could be he's in minor trouble, or he's got a nagging calf that's going to cost him two days of practice and he'll be fine, or it's that he had class, or it's that whatever. Don't assume the extremes about anybody. I do get that on a loaded roster, if somebody's not playing and you think they should be, you're assuming they're going to leave. And maybe they will, but we don't know that, and I don't just assume because he's not in a practice note that the guy's leaving. That's all I'm saying, just so you know. I think I'm picking up what you're putting down, but I'm not certain. I'm putting down that everything's fine at practice and the players you want to see play and the players that you're hoping contribute this year are all on pace to do exactly that. Oh, I picked it up now. Okay. That's a lot lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Well, that's good news, Melissa. Jeff, FSU women's tennis must have heard your Wake Forest rant because they took out some football feelings on the Deeks Friday. It was glorious. Awesome. Hey, I, uh, I, I crossed the threshold um, of emotional maturity and, um, and a sign of real growth as a man, a human being, a husband a father, uh, just a, a wonderful, wonderful moment for me as a human, Tom. Today, I ended up parked on the interstate for an hour and a half in Ocala. Didn't raise my voice. In an hour and a half. Hour and a half did not raise my voice once i muttered i can't say i was perfect i muttered there were a couple of elongated sighs i wanted the universe to know that i was disappointed so there were a couple of that's it think about it you know me we're friends we can't go through a round of golf together without me commenting on the slow nature of play from these blanks in front of us, or shouting at a shot and scaring people at an adjacent green or tee box. No, they got to buck up, but I'm saying the yeah, the occasional f bomb on a wayward, you know, on a on a pole or something. I mean, that's just that's not going to go away. As that six footer over there, over yonder, pushed wide, they should reput it. They're not playing the U.S. Open. Tell you guys, settle down. You heard that a-hole on the other t box scream at his ball. I'm going to put that again. So I'm just saying not one, just a, that's all you got. I got to tell you, that's very impressive. Mm-hmm. Did you think about
1: old radio station owner Chris when you channeled your inner zen? Because that's what it would take. You'd, you have to channel that guy never
0: raised his voice for anything. No, I, let me, let me, I'm going to admit something. Now Get your popcorn here. Here you go. I'm going to admit something. Now, I don't necessarily mean it, but I think it. And then I think badly of myself for thinking it, but it's layered. And then I always come back around, and, and I'm happy that I don't mean it. But it did cross my mind. Let's go to solo cam, Matthew. (laughs) When you're traversing down the highways and byways, state of Florida, and you purposely got up nice and early in the morning to make sure we got out the door so that we were going to get back in town in time to be thoroughly prepared for a radio program that you take very seriously for the listeners and for yourself professionally, so I say last night it's a Sunday evening. We had this great dinner with my mom and my stepdad. We sat at the big table. It was a real Sunday dinner. It was a lovely evening. Afterwards, we played cards as a family. And my my two boys were in in heaven playing with their grandparents, you know, as they we had a wonderful time. I told everybody, gotta go to bed early tonight, guys. I'm sorry. We got to get out the door at 6:30 in the morning. I'm not dealing with Tampa traffic. I'm not dealing with any of this nonsense. I'm telling you right now, we're bypassing this baby, we are rolling. I'm sure you said baby. That's exactly <laughs> what she <you> said. <laughs> so, I said this is what we're doing. We're getting on down the road. And and they all understood. There was a serious there was an air of seriousness to my voice. Dad seriously wants to get out the door. I'm like, "So go to sleep. Have your stuff ready. Pack it up tonight. There's no reason to be running about in the morning when we're all tired as hell." Have it ready to go, and I will load it up into the car while you brush your teeth because I'm up before everybody. So I got up, I showered, did my thing, got up, and I was so proud of them. Bag for bag, everybody, my wife, both boys, bags were waiting next to where they were sleeping. All I had to do was walk in, shake the shoulder, It's time to get up, good job with the bag. And then I walked to the car. Those were the exact words. That's about as good as you're going to get from Dad Cameron in the <laughs> that's, morning. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, so I grabbed the bag. Good job with the bag. Time to get up. I walked out, put the bag in the car, pitch black outside, doing all the right things. So we get moving. Everybody's loaded up. Get the coffee. Two big-ass cups of coffee for the wife and I, and whoof, there we go. We buy- We're we flying past Tampa. Go to hell, Tampa, and I-4 exit, Yeah. Screw you! Too early in the morning to slow me down. Phew. Hi there, Hard Rock. Maybe someday. Someday. Not this morning. Road out. Now cruising, cruising. We're making great time, which is every man's dream—is to make great time. It's all you really care about. There aren't too many things in life. Can you make great time? I'm making great time. We're ahead of schedule. Happy. Happy, happy man. I think it's worth about two to four strokes on a
1: Sunday morning or Saturday morning tee time if you can make great time make around great time. the track. Oh, it's unbelievable. You could shoot five higher, but if you get done in three and a half, you feel pretty good about that five strokes.
0: You are know, like, Yeah. How about that? I got you know rest, what? I got the rest of my day. It's a 91, but we made great time. We made great time. We were flying. We weren't there. out here for five and a half hours. So there you go, making great time, rolling on Big River, and then Ocala, which can go to hell eternally always. I don't know what's going on in Ocala. It's the McDonough of Florida. It's become the McDonough of Florida. And I listen, I get it. Great horses, whatever. There's not a damn thing else in Ocala. What's everybody doing in Ocala that the gawking happens that leads to the accident? Now, here's where I am going to admit to feeling bad. If you come to a complete standstill on the interstate, which should never happen, do you not think to yourself, this better be a 57-car pileup? When I get up there, I better see bodies and cars strewn for days. I better see the, the most godforsaken accident I've ever seen if I'm going to have to sit here for an hour and a half. Ambulances, people running around holding their head like they've never seen anything worse. I, that's in my head. I temporarily, fleetingly think this better be the worst accident of all time. This, is, this better be. This, I have had to earn this hour and a half of not moving. Because it never is. It never is. It's just like, oh, we just picked a weird time to do construction. Well, you can die. That is crazy to me. What do you mean? At 8 o'clock in the morning on a Monday, you just decided you needed to fix the bridge? What are you doing? So there was no accident that I could see anywhere. And I don't want anybody to get hurt. But damn it, man. No, you want them to be dead. I couldn't believe it. I was. I thought, okay, well, where is this? Where is this deadly accident? Where is it? I'm searching for somebody lying in the trees. Nothing. Nothing. And I just, so I just want you to know, just even all of that, right? All of that. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. I exhaled. Didn't scream. Didn't yell. All my time. All that great time. Gone right out the window. What would have been a record-breaking time back to Tallahassee is now sure to be one of the worst of all time. We're limping across the finish line as we get into town.
1: I once saw a Lincoln town car that was all white in a tree, in a tree next to the overpass above Dale Mabry, driving on 275 (laughs) into Tampa. Well, it it was eye level in the, because, you know, it's, it's probably a, 15-foot drop down to the, the houses below in a tree. Just headlights first somehow. I just I, I think uh, if you saw that, you would have
0: been okay. I would have. I'd have been like, well, there somebody was a flew into a tree. Flew Goodness. into a tree. Yeah, quite the conundrum. Somebody was going so fast, they flipped into a tree. But I just thought you should know that we made progress. Not one, you know, not... I didn't even raise my voice. Just kind of like, all right. Well.
1: It's because you knew that you had a widely popular radio program that you could share your frustrations with later in the day. So we're going to invest now in stoicism, and then we'll <laughs> pay the rage later, around, oh, say, 1.30 in the afternoon.
0: I actually thought, okay, well, this is why you leave early, Jeff. Good job. Good planning. You give yourself a wide berth here. You gave yourself a wide berth for, for things like this. For an hour and a half of not moving. Wide birth is the road trip equivalent of hunker down
1: during hurricane season. Yeah. yeah it yeah. is the, the used term. Yeah. Once you're about 38 plus, 38 years of age and older, you must use these terms. Wide birth for time range and hunker down for stay safe.
0: <laughs> so they were all, I think the family was impressed. I see my mom has commented on it. I think I, I think the family was impressed. Everybody was all good. He made it home safely, Janie, in I, case I forgot to call. I already told her. I called okay. her. She, geez, she, well, no, she called assuming I was already home. I said, oh, I'm not home. I'm not close to home. But thanks for checking. You handled it well with me. I called you 1130 just yeah. to see. Yeah. I said, look, is
1: everything tracking on oh, time? Yeah. I was checking. In fact, it, it really isn't. That's but, what um, I said. That's you what know, I said, yeah. We'll be home in time. But yeah. in, in fact, it almost wasn't, Tom. Yeah.
0: And I gave you a brief synopsis of the hour and a half with a Vulcan's level of stoicism. It was impressive. I want it noted for the record. That's why I brought it up today. It is on the record. My kids, years after I'm gone, when they're telling their, my grandkids that I was an impatient man, the, they can go look this up and say, well, but he got better over time. He what He mellowed over time.
1: And you, could, uh, you need to reference it shorthand this particular day. Ocala 23. The, yeah, go Remember, check it out.
0: Remember that horrific moment? Ocala. Ocala 23. We came up over the hill, and I said, what's going on here?
1: Dad, that's been the exception to the rule for 30 years.
0: Much to my dismay, all of the brake lights were before me as I came over the hill and went, "What? A, what's with all the, why are people stopping? There's no reason to stop. Probably 30 minutes after coming to a complete stop was the first time I head went, I hope there's 57 people smashed to bits up there when I get up there. And, and I know that's wrong. It's wrong. I know it's wrong. I'm just admitting that I have the thought. Very briefly. And then I think you're just a terrible person to think that. But I do think it. You got the maturity, though. Ocala 23. <laughs> we should get a shirt. Always remember. On the front. Oh, Ocala 23. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and only people who listen to this show or are part of my family will know what this is. Ocala 23. Always remember. The Jeff Cameron Show. 33 Real Talk Radio. Jeff Cameron, Show 933, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Uh, one of the other items that occurred while I was out of town for uh, Friday's practice, um, that, but does involve uh, news of the day and something worth noting, uh, and that is that uh, Micah Pittman has already had hip surgery and is um, out for the next, what was it, four months? I think they announced four to five months.
1: I think a typical recovery time could be up to six. Yeah, that's really significant when you're talking about the special teams game and the receiver rotation. I mean, I, I would go special teams first because it just felt so nice to have a punt returner that you didn't have to worry about him putting it on the deck. And so that would be a concern right out the gate for LSU if Micah Pittman's healing and recovery time is on the longer end of the estimation.
0: Which, which yeah, you know, one thing I will say about him is he proved himself to be an extremely hard worker. He's a tough, tough kid. I actually look at the injury from that vantage point, Tom. I look at it, or the surgery from that vantage point. We don't know how long he's going to be out in terms of number of games. He could be back in time for the first game of the year. We don't know. If you project out that amount of time, he could. He could be back by July and be ready to go by that first game. But who knows? He may not be back till week three, week four. Again, speculation. We do not know. Everybody's injury and surgery recovery time is different. Is it
1: strange that the first place my brain went when – I read about this on Warchant.com, as you can right now at mm, Warchant.com mm. for more information. But who the hell is going to be our second blocking wide receiver? I don't know that we have candidates that are lined up to fill that part of the requirement for the roster. Like, there's going to be somebody like a Winston Ryder or a Darian Williamson who could take the catches and the yards. But yeah. I like how
0: physical we play in the run game. And yeah, Johnny well, Wilson's one half of that, and Michael Pittman's the other half of that. That's the toughness of which I speak. He's so tough. and. There was a there was a high level of uh, sacrifice that Micah Pittman revealed a year ago, which may have been more impressive than anything he did on the field in terms of the accumulation of receptions or touchdowns or any of that. It, it was really more about a willingness for a kid who I think people wondered when he transferred from Oregon. The thought was maybe he was. I mean, there, you know, speculation was that he was unhappy with the amount of touches that he was going to get or had gotten and you know he had been injured there and so you you just wondered but one of the one of the least selfish guys on the team when you just compare and contrast what was expected of him and then what he did as a blocker for everybody else a lot of times and his, his willingness to do that, to engage in that. And he's short in stature, but he's a thick, strong kid. He's very, very physical. He's tenacious. He's tough minded. So you want him back for a lot of reasons, but you really want him back because of the toughness that he brings, and especially for a game like LSU or a game like Clemson on the road.
1: Yeah, and in the interview I did with Ron Dugans at the luncheon a couple of weeks ago, I asked about Johnny and and Johnny's ability to set the standard of if you're not going to bring it as a defensive back, he'll block you into the first row. Yeah, he doesn't care, and and you know he could have two targets before that moment or none or twelve, he's still going to do that thing. And Coach Dugans was quick to kind of correct me and say. Well, Micah was the first one to set the standard in the receiver room that this is how we play. And that's got to be a part of the conversation moving forward. You do have a ton of tight end bodies that you can rotate out there if you want to, but that that lets you know what's coming if you're a defense, if a Marquiston is out there on the Correct. perimeter or a Morlock is out there or Jaheim Bell, you, you could kind of be clued in that maybe there's something happening in the way of a bubble game. With Micah out there, his size suggests it's going to be a throw, not a run, and yet... Here we go. A little flare or a little run to the outside, and he's got you locked up. So it's just when you are a championship roster, these details matter. Like every little bit of it, you've got a variety of receiver targets, but who the hell is going to set the physical tone on the other side? And I, I look forward to watching camp now for a different reason. I thought we were just going to watch the receiver room to see who commands the, the
0: targets. But now it's who fills the role. It's a lot of, there are a lot of guys, though, the, to fill the role that were on the team a year ago that are, you're expected to either make a jump or were in the process of making uh, real progress to getting more playing time. Talking about a Portier or uh, Williamson or people like that that you've referenced. These are all guys that are going to play more anyhow, and they were part of that receiver room and that receiving. The receiving core really was something that we all thought for cap to because of their willingness to block. All of them blocked. Now, Micah stood out because he's so physical and so tough. But really, the tone has been set. I think that the culture, it's, it, it has been ingrained in anybody that's been in that room that they're going to have to block. You just got to be good at it, too, on top of it, though. It's a skill. No, there's and, no doubt. You know what hurts? It's not an easy skill to acquire, either. we would
1: it like for McClain McLe- uh, to have stuck around now? because he was good at that. <laughs> he was know, really good. That, that would have fit very but I nicely.
0: Think he, I think he left for reasons other than, um, you know, I, I think he wanted more catches. So he was always willing to block. Sure. It wasn't going to change anything for him. He's like, no, no, it, I'll block. Can I get some more catches? And I don't know that he was going to. If it took longer for it, if
1: it takes longer for this recovery, he might have been on the field. But that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. the thing that the coaching staff has to continue to tell a lot of these guys across different position groups that, look, you might not be getting the lion's share of targets rushes snaps just yet but wait there is a lot of dudes a a huge sloth uh swath of guys that are going to be going to the nfl level next year so just hang around a second or you're a couple injuries away from getting the opportunity anyway.
0: We talk about the balance all the time, what these coaches are going to have to do with a loaded roster, and that soon there will be the ones that are preyed upon for their players, just like they've preyed upon others up to this point because they've had to obviously refurbish this roster with players that are plus players that can easily replace those that are returners. Now that's getting more and more difficult. They're always going to be good at it, I think, because they've established a culture of uh, an analyzing the types of players that come in and fit in a locker room really well, also improve your level of play. But I, I think now that you have an excess number of those in the trenches, you probably have uh, moving forward, You know, again, another opportunity within the receiving core and running back room to see some, some folks defect.
1: So the question I would ask you then is when, because you were there for the pajama days of this football camp so far, which you can run seven on sevens and have a good idea of who's who, who impresses you the most in that receiver room? And and it doesn't have to be the first person. I mean, if you were ranking the top group of three or five, because that's how it's going to play out, you're going to rotate three or five guys primarily. And then from there you go, who stands out to you? I mean, Johnny's got to be in the conversation somewhere in that group. Of course. But how would you rank it out at present before we get to, you know, weeks on end of full contact?
0: Well, I, I, I think we've moved to a place where Johnny Wilson is your best receiver. I agree with that. I, I, I wouldn't say otherwise. I, I just want to see him get more consistent catching the football, and it's really specifically a certain type of catch. It's the simple catch. It's the easy catch. It's the first down that Jordan throws him on third and six and ain't nobody around him because he did everything right, and it's the right play call, and Jordan read the defense properly, and he puts it on with nobody near him, and inexplicably he drops it. Those are killers in big games against good teams. You know, you got to make those plays. We're able to make it up against the lesser tier teams, and Johnny did a great job of really rebounding nicely. You never really saw it shake his confidence. When he dropped passes, especially the easy passes where one might look inward and wonder, how do you drop that? chain-moving catch in a big situation at midfield, and now we're punting. How do I drop that ball? He never really did that. He always got past it very quickly, and invariably he'd make a catch that you'd go, wow, that was a really difficult and important catch. It was potentially a game-changing catch. That was third and nine, double-covered, one-hand-got-both-feet-down kind of catch. Shocking. That was, oh, he picked that off the ground nearabouts. You know, those kinds of catches – so I, it will be interesting to see. So Johnny, to me, is still, despite having that one element of his game that's got to get better, he's your best receiver. And then from there, I think mean, you have a bunch of candidates. I, I mean, I don't know that you have a solid number two that you say, this guy's better than everybody else. You got a lot of candidates, don't you think? I mean, yeah. Michael would have been, as you're saying. Williamson seems to be a guy that they're in love with. I they're, mean, they, yes. they really like him. They bring him up a ton. We saw that great game that he had against Boston College. The physical tools are there. If he takes it a next a big step, he could very well vault up into that you know upper tier of this receiving core. I like Portier. I need him to be more consistent, but he's a big body like mm-hmm. Malik McLean. He embraces blocking. If he can mature and take another big step forward, I think he can be a huge asset for you. I don't know what Akeem Williams is going to be this year. Body type wise, he looks ready to play, but a lot of time freshmen are swimming. He's looked like he's swimming so far early on at camp, but that's not new. That's not abnormal. I
1: think there's a different level of football shape that you play at the next level, to that's catching up to him. Yeah.
0: And that's normal. That yeah, is no, it's totally normal. Completely normal, normal. yeah. Um, I don't see. Winston Wright's a guy that, let's see. Yep. Right? You can't not mention Winston Wright. He's G- he's eager to be out there. He has something to prove. He's excited to play. He's really well-respected. Looks like he's got a speed back. He's cutting really well. He's the most mature in, in terms of – Playing time in the Power Five. Have you done it? Yeah, he's done it. He looks stout
1: physically as well. That's not a a slender underneath guy like a Ja'Kai Douglas, who has his role as an over-the-top lid lifter gadget player for you. But not all slot receivers are created equal, and and Winston looks a little bit more stout. I got to tell you, it's not about expectations for this season yet. But through one week, somebody who's just very impressive to me, he looks like he's got it. Is Dre Jacobs, Vandravius Jacobs? Yeah, and yeah, I I've got to give Michael Langston full credit on this because we did so many shows leading up to signing day. He said, everybody's talking about Hakeem, and I get it, you should. But don't sleep on this other guy we've brought in. Vandravius Jacobs is impressive. Mm-hmm. And, and it translates. It just reminds me some of the breaks he makes and some of the speed coming out of a break of a young Rashad Green. I just I remember seeing that little separation, that little nuance of how to break off a route. And he looks polished, where Hakeem looks more raw at that part of the game.
0: So there are three candidates to really get you excited that you might say, all right, what what is this guy going to be right here, right now with an opportunity? And the guys that can be something right here, right now to make up for uh an injury at the receiver position, and again, we don't know. Micah could start the year and be just fine. We don't know that he. We do know that he went through hip surgery. We do know he's going to be out for an extended period of time. We don't know what the rehab will look like. Hopefully, he's back in time for LSU. But you know, Jaheim Bell is going to play a huge part at tight end. He's a sort of a a mix of receiver, running back, in H back is what he is. So he's going to get a lot of looks. But a guy that again, how far can he come in this spring, in the fall? who has all the athleticism in the world, and is the guy that I talk about all the time, but admit he's not ready, and maybe he will be, and I sure cross my fingers that he will be, is Deuce Span? Deuce Span is a better athlete than all of them. All of them. He, 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 better athlete than Johnny Wilson. Better athlete than Micah Pitten. Better, better athlete than all of them. So how quickly? I mean, he had all of last year. Early in the season, they used him quite a bit in the quick game. He had a drop on a deep ball early in the season. You're like, oh! A touchdown, <laughs> But you know, okay, it's happened. You know, you were... he had the episode on the sideline where he and Mike had a, a come to Jesus conversation and handled it well. They went right back to him in that game by the way, in an important moment. Just to let him know we still believe in you, but you got to you got to handle these things better than you're handling You got to tighten it up a yeah, little tighten bit. Up, tighten up. Tighten up. But he did. He did. And he came into Kent camp- look at the end of when we watched uh the workouts uh I thought he looked great, and then when he get into practice, I thought he looked really good again in terms of energy, focus. He looks more polished, still has ways to go, but he looked more polished. He did a good job of developing just last fall.
1: Yeah. Like, from the beginning, the first impression we had, which was, ooh, needs work. Needs a lot of work, but to, he's come a long way to where it's not— With the hands looking more like a receiver's hands versus a dude who you just plug in at the position because he can run real fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: What do you— uh, I mean, I, I, I guess the kind of the answer we just gave everybody out there about this question is we're not real sure, but we have candidates. And you wouldn't in years past. Didn't two years ago. Putt return is going to be a question, too. Is that
1: Winston's job? Because he was a kick returner for West Virginia, very good at it. Again, they've got a lot of good athletes that they can throw at the problem. It's just it's a real difference maker. It's just like having a, an excellent center fielder in, in the major leagues. You just breathe easy when there's a ball driven out to left center. Oh, he's got it. I don't even have to look. That's a catch. Vendravius
0: Jackson, by the way. You brought him up. Jacobs. Jacobs yep. Tyson Jackson. Sorry. Um, you brought him up, and I love him, too. Right off the bat, he, he stood out. But that's somebody that could answer your question in terms of punt returner. Could maybe. Be. But he's a freshman. He's tiny, too. He's tiny. 175, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he Relative is. to the room,
1: which is kind of a nice thing, what you used to say. Well, when you
0: know. we bring up Darian Williamson, people forget he's 6'3", 200-plus yeah, he pounds. He's somebody, I, I, I think because of his age and his body type, I'm rooting for him. If somebody has to fill that role, I'm kind of rooting for him. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with Jeff Kevin show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.